I'm your host, Noah. I have been doing retrospection since I was a senior in college. I was I started with a radio drama, which is still on, and it goes the 15th and the last day of every single month. The radio drama is an old-time radio drama, so it uh, harnesses the 1920s through 1950s feelings. Now, recently, we also did a historical talk show, and this historical talk show is live on WOBN The Wild Card. Every single Friday from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I'm starting this, a live talk show, every Wednesday from 9 to 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, we're starting to get a few viewers coming in. We've been on air for roughly two minutes now. We're at about six people, hopefully more in the near future. If you have a Podbean account, you are able to actually input your messages and chat uh, with us. We're looking to hopefully at some point perhaps get Facebook live stream, YouTube, a whole bunch of other live streaming capabilities so you can go wherever you like to be able to live stream. I'm your ever-present host, Noah Martin, and today I am joined by Logan Seiler. I said that right, correct? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure it was, you know, Seiler and not like Sealer or Seiler or something like that. Lots of people get the last name wrong. It happens all the time. So today we're going to talk about storytelling. Now, Storytelling is a very, very important part of this podcast, and I look for I look for people who can help me tell the story from voice actors to friends to fellow podcasters or simply movies and audio dramas and various other places I get inspired by. Now, Logan, uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Because, well, so far you've never actually worked with retrospection or been on a retrospection podcast. So our normal viewers who are listening to this after the live production is over really just don't know who you are yet. So go ahead and give like a, a nice, great intro. What are some things that people should know about you? Uh, yeah. Um, as you heard, my name is Logan. We uh, might have a couple people tuning in from our other friend group, um, that might know me as Tunon, just as an online alias, but I am a biology major at MTSU, and it is my freshman year. Um, I am planning on going into microbiology, but as we're talking about storytelling today, I have been a hobby writer probably since middle school, although I wouldn't be too proud of my middle school works. I've looked back at some of my old journals and seen those like one to two paragraph stories where I tried to tell a, a scary tale and it just didn't go that well. Yeah, I know that feeling. I started in fifth grade, or at least that's where I remember starting. I imagine I was probably third or fourth grade. I remember being so inspired by Lord of the Rings and going off and writing my own little tales. Well, in fifth grade, I ended up writing this horror story based off the original It miniseries. 
And at this point, I don't entirely remember it that much because, well, I wasn't very old and I've lived, uh, I've lived a pretty good life since then and haven't had to go back to my fifth grade stories. But yeah, it was an incoherent, jumbled mess of something about uh, like a monster living down in the basement and just a crazy, not great story. Now, eventually, middle school, high school, and of course, college is where I started writing too. And for our viewers, we actually met, Logan and I met through Discord, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm hosting a Dungeons and Dragons session where I was looking for new players and I posted out this comment to a whole bunch of forums and everyone had to go through some very scary trial processes and eventually they ended up playing Dungeons and Dragons and that's where we got to chat a little bit. Yeah, those trials really were terrifying and all, <laughs> all of our group seems to agree on that. It's really intense because you come at us with the hard-hitting questions. You ask us, what story are we trying to tell? What's the purpose of our character? And that kind of stuff. I mean, you got a good group formed because all the people that passed were the people who stuck around and were willing to answer those kinds of questions. Exactly. I had a moment earlier on. I I had a whole different party and the party diffused. One of the people said, well, I'm not willing to come up with a character story and develop, develop myself in this world. So that actually does bring up a question for me. When it comes to writing, when it comes to telling your stories and uh, going out of your way to engage with your audience, uh, what do you think is the most important thing when it comes to your writing? The most important thing you like to tell in your stories Um, I think this is something that you will agree with, considering your trials with our campaign. But when it comes to storytelling, to me, the most vital part is to have either a lesson to teach or a general purpose of the story. You need to have a goal. Whether it be maybe you want to teach a lesson or maybe you have something going on in your personal life that you want to sort of vent through your story to relate to your reader or however they happen to be experiencing that story. It has to have a purpose in order for you to really channel that storytelling well enough to reach the reader and have them understand. Exactly. A nice good old theme themes. I mean, I don't even know what stories would be if we didn't, have a theme even the most basic of stories like fairy tales all have a message to convey to their audience that are reading or listening to the fairy tales Mm -hmm. so my next question would be what is one of your favorite themes one of your favorite messages ever conveyed by a story either one of your stories or perhaps one of your favorite stories ever told no i uh i'm a big fan of psychological horror in all forms of media, not just writing. And the reason is sometimes they're really good at asking really difficult questions. Um, There's one story 
and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, it's just the only example I can think of right off the bat that I wrote, uh, which it was sort of this like dystopian horror thing. I wrote it for fun, and it basically asked the question, uh, is it better to, or well, rather, is pain a necessary thing? And would we be better off without it, or would it leave us in a bad spot in the long run if we were able to get rid of pain entirely? Very philosophical. Yeah. But, you know, stuff like that, that ask is kind of uncomfortable questions. Well, for our audience members, if you are listening right now, uh, we'd love to have you engage with the chat and uh, let us know your opinion on pain. Is it something we need to live with or is it something we need to live without? And if you're listening to this after the recording has been made and posted, please feel free to leave a comment on Podbean or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Reddit or wherever it is that we keep our podcasts, which is pretty much anywhere you like to listen to them. So the when it comes to um, your writing, uh, do you ever find yourself being inspired by the works that you do in college? Meaning, uh, you described earlier your major is uh, biology. You're a biologist. I'm I'm curious. Do you ever write any stories about, you know, like biological horrors or uh, adventures of, you know, mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, powering through (laughs) the enemies of the cell? If you (laughs) <laughs> this is slightly off topic, but if you say the, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell thing, it is a, a surefire way to get a lot of bio professors mad. But it, it's, mitochondria um, is the powerhouse of the cell. But actually, <laughs> That's what middle school taught me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and with my bio major, I had originally thought of making writing a career when I started college. I even. Uh, made some friends and offered to commission short stories because a lot of people find writing very difficult, but they have ideas in their brain that they want to see come to form. And it's, it's very easy to make that exchange with someone who has a little more writing skill. But I find that in my assignments, especially in um, some of my literature classes, because we take gen eds, uh, there's really no differentiation between what I write as a hobby and what I write for a project. Even if it's like a super informative kind of essay, I got one project coming up that is actually, it's for argumentative writing. It's going to be about Bioshock, specifically the first one, the video game, and how Bioshock has a lot of very well hidden anti-LGBT themes in it. And that's going to be a challenge for me because I love Bioshock. I grew up on that game. <laughs> oh, would you kindly start being a homophobe? The <laughs> uh, Bioshock, what a game. What a game that was. So what are some of the elements in there? It's been, oh, I probably played it like sophomore year of high school before they released mm-hmm. the remaster on Steam. What's uh, What are some of the elements that you've noticed uh, well, actually, right away in the very beginning of the game, um, there's lots of themes about like when certain 
aspects of society and culture go unchained, how it can be pretty bad. And that's not entirely false. It talks about how like medicine unchained can be bad with like unethical science. You have right away a doctor that is just fascinated with cosmology and he takes it too far because he treats his patients kind of as a canvas and he mutilates them into these really despicable, just, they're basically walking corpses and they're in pain. But despite that, um, especially considering how old the game is, there are some rather thinly veiled, like specifically anti-transgender groups hidden in that, um, in that message of this doctor kind of going crazy with the cosmology. And you hear in the story, it talks about how what led to that is that they were so wealthy, were so free that this doctor said that there was no excuse not to be a perfect person, to be whoever you want to be to the fullest extent. And that strikes me as almost a criticism of self-exploration, saying that if you explore yourself too much, it can be a detriment to yourself and other people. And it takes that to a, an almost violent extreme. So although it's not like in-your-face, anti-trans kind of stuff, anti-LGBT, it has those themes. And although I feel like with the newer Bioshock games, they did a lot better job of really turning around the message of the games and getting their view out there a lot more boldly, especially in Infinite. Infinite has some pretty gruesome scenes, but they teach a valuable lesson. Yeah, that was the one thing with really all of the Bioshock games, not even just the first one, that the messages that come across and, and I imagine that the developers intentionally put a lot of these messages in just to show how despicable some of this kind of, well, ironic on retrospection radio, but some of this retro feeling can be, uh, I especially remember infinite because as much as I loved one and two, it, it was something about infinite and being floating in the sky and, Oh yeah, Ugh. all right, and like the giants uh, was an owl or crow or something that flies around, and yeah, I remember the very very beginning of Bioshock Infinite, where there are I I don't remember if they were slaves or servants or I imagine it was slaves because basically for those of you who don't know Bioshock Infinite, the uh, there was this southern town that basically flew up into the sky and stayed the embodiment of the deep South before the civil war. And they had a bunch of people up on the stand. And within the first 15 minutes of the game, once you get up there, you as the player are handed a, I think it's an apple or something. And you are told by all the people around you that these people are bad people and you need to hit them with the apple. And then you as the player have to make the choice of, am I going to be peer pressured into, you know, racism or am I going to stand up? Uh, and ultimately, 
It doesn't entirely matter what choice you make because if you decide to throw or decide not to throw the uh, the NPCs figure out that you're like the chosen one and they don't want you around and you know the story continues on but it's a very good plot element of making the player have to make a choice especially because peer pressure is a real thing that people have to deal with um and a lot of these themes and messages especially throughout the bioshock games have to deal with breaking from the norm i think of the first one where uh jack i think his name was the guy who keeps telling you oh would you kindly do this would you kindly do that and you're brainwashed the entire time and your trigger words are would you kindly so every time that he says, would you kindly, you're basically triggered into doing exactly what he says. And the plot is very well crafted. But eventually you break th- free of that brainwashing um, and you can choose however you want the game to end. I believe you can kill them or release the people to the surface and a lot of very interesting and different things. But uh, Bioshock was definitely a game series with really, really great themes and messages that are really not necessarily against the status quo, but they make a statement on what people romanticize about the past. A little bit more so in Infinite uh, rather than the first Bioshock. But even then, the Bioshock series is all steampunk, which is very Victorian feeling, although they do a great job of making it like Victorian fifties feeling. And back to that um, scene with, uh, it's where you throw the baseball. They give you the baseball. Ah, baseball is what it was. It's even more brutal because it's a lottery. So you just, they're treating it like a prize that you get to throw the baseball at these people. And specifically they were uh, an interracial couple. Ah, that's what it was. That's right. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. And you might think, oh, why would the player ever choose to throw the baseball? But I remember at this point, you see all these posters around that talk about basically a devil equivalent. It says you'll know the devil by his mark, and it shows a hand with this tattoo on the back. And you look at your hand, and you have that tattoo. So these people especially once you see that like, Oh, they're willing to straight up just hurt and kill people that they disagree with. They hand you the ball and it's like, Oh man, uh, should I just try to fit in? So they don't turn on me, which makes a more powerful statement about peer pressure and how fear can govern people's decisions. And especially, uh, back then, like there's a lot of, uh, historical examples of whenever people would, uh, stand by African Americans, like around the Civil War period, fought for the uh, abolition of slavery, fought for um, the end of Jim Crow laws. They were very heavily criticized and demeaned with derogatory names. So um, peer pressure is a powerful thing and can even devolve into violence. There is a classic by Harper Lee. Um known as To Kill a Mockingbird. And there's a specific scene within that that 
I'm pretty sure everyone's read by this point. I, I was reading the other day, I got banned again in some Southern state. <laughs> the book's always either banned or not. But basically, the scene is where a bunch of the town, a bunch of white people get together and they get drinking and they get talking and they decide to go off and kill this person, uh, Tom, Tom Robinson, um, the African-American who was standing trial for a crime he didn't commit. And it's this idea of even if at heart you are a good person, when you are surrounded by the crowd and the crowd is telling you what to do, where to go, what will you do? Will you go against the crowd or will you, uh, will you march with them? I think that one of the most important things when it comes to, when it comes to storytelling is not necessarily telling your generic Disney princess stories you hear over and over again, the same stuff that never changes, but instead the stuff that to kill a mockingbird and even Bioshock talks about some of the harder subjects where even good people will find their way into doing bad things. And that brings up a question I'd like to ask you because this is a topic that is always explored from star Wars to uh, like documentaries. If you make, if you do a bad action, let's say you retrospection deals a lot with this in the first episodes of the radio drama drunk driving. If you decide to get behind the wheel while drunk and you don't hurt anyone, you don't do anything bad to anyone else, but you do give that potential for hurting someone else, which is ultimately a negative thing. In general, you're a straight A student, you're a good person, you go out of your way to help people, you donate. Are you a bad person because you took the lives of others into your hands by a careless action? I would say, especially in that situation where you got really lucky and just managed to escape hurting anyone or hurting yourself, you still have to hold yourself accountable as having done something bad. I, uh, I rarely want to call anyone a bad person. I think we all have some inherent sense of good. Nobody out in the world is like, I'm going to be as evil as possible. <laughs> I'm going to blow up the planet for no reason. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you, you need to hold yourself accountable because if you don't, and you do get lucky. You're gonna be like, "Oh, it went, it went well." I'll just, and you'll, you'll worry less about doing it again. And that little inkling in the back of your head that it was fine last time will make it easier to make the same bad decision again later. Now, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this, especially story-wise. If there's anything that's happened in literature or movies or something in which a character has done something bad and then kept doing bad things or that same bad thing spiraling down um, because of perhaps they now thought themselves as bad. Somebody told them that they were bad. Um, are there any specific examples in a story that you might think of when I talk about that? Uh, in a story that I've read 
probably not. But in a in a campaign that I played in D and D, actually, yes, um, there was one character that was a paladin, and you know how paladins are in D and D. They were, I believe, lawful evil, so they were already ordained by their player to be evil, but they were played pretty darn good. And what's interesting is at first they received a lot of criticism for the party. There were certain characters that, like, after the fight was over and after they'd asked um, all the necessary questions to, like, get that quest lead, they'd just kill them. Like, okay, that's their punishment. And, of course, the party, you know, they don't like that because it seems like it's completely unnecessary. But this paladin, or at least the person playing with, was really good at explaining why every single time. And <laughs> what I watched eventually happen is even though the rest of the party was like good aligned, and even I was a little guilty of this myself, the party slowly like became more and more corrupted towards this violent, hostile point of view because so long as this paladin had justification and was actually pretty darn loyal to the party, always took care of them, always made sure they were in good shape, the more they felt connected with them and began to inherit that philosophy. And so it became an echo chamber of murderers. It was a, a sight to see. Sounds a little bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I remember talking to him once. I was like, you gaslit the party. <laughs> well, some of the players didn't know that they actually began to believe because they were still good aligned. They began to believe that they were doing the right thing. Does that palace? Not only has that person got a nice natural 20 to their charisma in real life. Um, that person probably understood good storytelling. Uh, if anything, they're at least very convincing of a person. So I want to ask, we've got just a few minutes left before we go ahead and end the stream. I just wanted to ask a little bit about college and your writings during college. Have you been working on anything? Have you been trying to work on anything? Is there any story ideas in your mind that you really want to tell? Um, absolutely. And, uh, like I said, if you're, especially if you're a writer in college, you really need to make your assignments your hobby writing. Especially because if you're at a good university or a good college, uh, your professors will love that. They can tell when you put your heart into something. And uh, there were some hobby, like there, I write short stories. I don't write like novels. So I couldn't tell you if you want to write this long epic in college that it would be super easy to do because it is hard to find the time, especially if you're just starting out. I remember my last semester, I barely got anything done. Um, the only reason I could attend our campaigns, Noah, was because they're rather short compared to some other sessions that I've attended and that they're, oh, like, yeah. right. they're like, we run at six to nine my time. So it's perfect for me. Yeah, I've uh, I've done quite a few Sunday campaigns where they're like fourteen to sixteen hours, and we're just sitting there having a great time. <laughs> but so, my best um, advice that I could give 
for a story writer in college, especially if writing is not your major, is you have to figure out your class schedule and work around your class schedule. Right now, I, uh, I've got a pretty good deal because all my classes are in the evening, which means I can stay up super late to do whatever I want to do. You've got to have some good planning, have an idea in your head, and never force yourself to write if you're not inspired. It will feel terrible, and it will not come out good. So are there any tips you can give college students? Because as you know, you are just beginning college, and I am just ending college. Are there any tips that you can give people who are very busy with their college schedules for sitting down and just finding that time to be able to write? Uh, One of the wisest things I've ever heard is that if you really care about doing something, you'll make the time for it. And that's not a hundred percent true all the time because some people, and this is partially myself included because I'm paying for college out of pocket. I didn't want to take out a loan. Some people really have to work hard and basically all the time. So it is, it is difficult to find the time sometimes and you will have moments, especially as a, if you're just starting college or if you're really getting into like towards the tail end of college, where for me as a a bio student, I'll have labs all the time. I'll be busy 24 seven. You're going to have times where you just, won't be able to work and you need to be okay with that because school work all that it comes first especially if you're a hobby writer but when you have those times and everything lines up just right and you got that idea in your head take advantage of it don't just sit around and let it slip because they come very rarely that's some great advice i uh i'll add a little bit on top of that through my years of college, I did basically online college willingly for two years, uh, then transferred to a private school and am paying out of pocket for that and uh, ended up going online because good old COVID hit and I was online for quite a while. And I, within those couple years, I found the determination to sit down and write and really focus on the stuff that I like to do. And not everyone has that. And not everyone, for me, I spend probably 20 to 30 hours a week on retrospection from making podcasts to editing, to creating graphics, to uh, planning social media, to interacting on social media, to reaching out to people. whole bunch of stuff goes into a podcast to, well, for you to be able to listen to us for 35 minutes. And the best advice I can give before jumping into it is just finding that one moment where you can sit there and say, okay, I can do this. It's that mental positivity, especially if you're feeling inspired, there's a story you want to tell. There's a a thought you want to get down. Even if you're in the middle of work, if you're in the middle of school or homework or anything like that, I highly recommend finding a piece of paper, typing it out on your phone or your laptop, and just putting down that story idea and what you're feeling passionate about right there in the moment. So that way you can keep that passion going. If you're at work, if you're at school, you need to 
you know, you're paying probably for school, so you'll definitely need to focus. But also, it's okay to run those ideas through your head. If you've got a story you're extremely passionate about and you can't write it down right now, it's okay to just mull it around in your mind and say, okay, well, this is my main character. This is the story I want to tell. This is the theme I want. This is the antagonist. This is the bad stuff happening. This is the good stuff happening. And that'll keep you inspired for a lot longer um, than just having it pop up and then go, man, I feel great. Too bad I've got to sit through a two and a half hour lab, which I had to do for geology. Ugh, study of rocks. <laughs> Anything's fun if you're passionate about it. That's fair. That is very fair. Or if your professor is passionate about it. Oh, yeah, that too. That matters a lot. So um, I'm going to end with a question to you. Is there any story that you really want to tell right now that you think that everyone in the world should know? Uh. There is one thing that I was inspired, but I, I haven't been able to put it to paper in a coherent way. But it's this idea of, um, as I was studying biology, and specifically microbes, you see that a lot of life is governed by chemicals and enzymes and these automatic responses. And I applied that to humanity, how our brains were a big collection of meat and electrical signals that tell us, we tell ourselves, we are alive and we have consciousness. And I thought with, and this, what, this might seem like a jump, but with the growing technology of AI and the way you see a lot of these um, artificial intelligences start to announce that they are alive and they begin to express opinions about humanity and about our world, I thought, well, they're a collection of code and electrical signals that is telling itself it's alive. And I wondered if, in that sense, they too could be considered a conscious form of life. But that was a story I never got to write down. Well, I don't see why you can't begin at some points here soon. <laughs> I should it's a very interesting, very interesting subject. And it's funny that you say that I'm currently working on a basically hour and a half script of a similar idea of what does it mean to be alive? Do we have souls? What is a soul? Any of that. The idea of what makes us living. And I think that's a question that a lot of people go through. So I'm going to leave off with a final question to our audience. What does it mean to be alive? I realize that's very philosophical and perhaps shoo, right over your head, but uh, I just want you to, at the end of this episode, go ahead, think and ponder a little bit about that. What does it mean to be alive? Does God give you your purpose? Do you give you your purpose? Do, you know, like what, 
what does it mean to be alive? <laughs> I, I don't think there's a better way to explain it than that. So, you have been listening to Retrospection Radio Live. This was our first ever broadcast. We broadcast 9 to 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Times. Of course, Retrospection Radio Theater, which has been going on for five years now. Well, four, but I started five years ago. Uh, That comes out on the 15th of every month and the last day of every month. We're currently in season four, which is a true crime horror podcast. Um, It's all about monsters and serial killer and, you know, religion, a lot of very deep, heavy hitting subjects that need to be talked about, frankly. Of course, uh, we also have our other live stream, which is live on the radio on 97.5 WOBN, the wild card on Friday evenings from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., although perhaps we might change that at some point. So that in that talk show, we go through the decades of the 1900s and soon to be 2000s. This Friday, we're 1995 to 1999. I was born in 99. So uh, (laughs) it's going to be a great time once we hit those 2000s. I want to say thank you very much for listening to Retrospection Radio. Thank you, Logan, for coming on tonight and talking about what it means to be a storyteller in college. Of course, I I had a wonderful time just chatting. And honestly, this was just a fun experience. Thank you for having me, Noah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you are looking to get in contact with Retrospection Radio, if you're listening to the recording or if you're in chat or if you're Logan, uh, there's plenty of ways to get in contact with us. Of course, you can do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit uh, at Retrospection Radio. Just a nice quick Google search or search on the search engines of the social media. You should be able to find it. Of course, you could also go to www.retrospectionradio.com. Now, if you like tonight's episode and you want to show Retrospection some love, we have a Kofi set up. All you got to do is go to www.retrospectionradio.com and you can send a donation that way. You can set up for a monthly tiered subscription, which will get you access to music files and a Discord and a whole bunch of other stuff. Or you could just send a singular donation. Honestly, it lets you go as low as $1 and $1 would be would change my life. <laughs> Retrospection, I, we'd be so happy just to even get a singular comment of somebody just saying, hey, we like the show. Um, now, we will be next Wednesday meeting with, uh, I believe it's George uh, Segal. Sorry, Shane Thrapp, uh, in which we will be talking about the American school system and how the American school system could actually be harming your children. Please feel free to stop by next week or listen to the recording. We will be so happy to have you around. I am your ever-present host, Noah Martin, and thank you so much for stopping in Retrospection Radio Live. Have a good evening.